Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We thanks this evening, and we pray that your spirit, O oh God, would minister to us your word, and that you would use us, Lord, uh, to be able to strengthen your people, that they would be aware of the times, that they would be aware of the seasons, that they would be able to become more than conquerors, overcomers in your purposes, Lord. And I pray, O oh God, that your word would be a reality in our spirit and that uh, right where darkness is, the light might shine. And right where there's a void, you might fill it, O oh God. And Father, where there is shame, that your glory might dress us, O oh God. And we pray that you would strengthen us and make us, Lord, fit for the battle that lies ahead, Lord. And we give you thanks for this word. We will cherish it in our hearts that we not fall short of living the way you want us to live. So bless your word. Prosper it. Let it be a good seed planted in good hearts, giving forth good fruit, Lord. And allow it to encourage us in the way we should go, in the way we should think, and the way we should live in this world, O oh God. As darkness fills the earth, Lord, let us shine like the luminaries of heaven, like the stars of the heavens, O oh God. Let our, our, our righteousness shine before all men that they might see that we're different, that we, we understand things different, that we have heard from you, Lord that you have quieted our soul, that you have calmed uh, the storms of life. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It just hit me this afternoon as I was sitting out on my desk, um, the amount and the intensity of uh, something that with a big letter P, I don't know if you guys have something like this in your life, it's called a problem. And the intensity of our problems... Uh, you know, a long time ago, when we came to the church for the first time, I, I could have promised, I, I heard a preacher say that if you come to Jesus, all your problems are finished. And, and I, I really believe that to a certain extent, but here I am 28 years later, and the problems keep on coming. They don't come to a worldly size. Uh, when you're out there in the world, um, and you don't have God, and you don't have hope, just a little problem causes you to go do Prozac or lithium or get on some good psychiatric plan. But, but here, as we grow in the Lord, since the little problems, we're like, get away from me, mosquito. Uh, you're not going to bother me. You're not going to distract me. You're not going to allure me. Well, the devil has to come up with bigger problems, bigger situations, and, and find myself asking the question, Lord, um, is there ever going to be a time where we are not going to deal with problems? And, and the answer is no, um, that they're going to keep on coming fast and furious. That, that should be another movie. Um, th th just one problem. Um, I, I don't know what other word you have for problems. Um, trouble. You know, when, when it, who's there? Trouble. And, and it just comes and it, it's just all over the place. Um, the reason why it's trouble is because you don't even know what the heck's going to happen. You don't have an idea. If you could handle it, then it's not a problem. If it doesn't move your heart in fear, um, if it doesn't touch you at the deepest part of who you are, it's pretty much not a problem. And so um, God wants us to understand this aspect of the human experience with respect to the issue of problems and trouble which cause pain. I don't know if you have troubles that rise to the level of hurt. 
Um, one, of the, one of the definitions of hurting or pain is sorrow. And, and you take it to a deeper level and it's, it's suffering. And so all these definitions, how many want more of these things? How many want to volunteer and says, you know something, just add some more on my plate because I, I really don't have enough. I, I, I just want some more and, and make it a little bit sophisticated. So uh, eventually the bottom line is that these problems and troubles come um, and many times they come to affect uh, the deep part of who we are. Uh, we don't know how to handle them. We don't know where to go. Um, my usual response to trouble or to problems, um, human experience tells us to run. To run. To um, put on the, the garments of fear. Uh, to be paralyzed by what is in front of you. Uh, this reaches to a level, uh, you start out with problems, trouble, uh, pain, hurt, sorrow, suffering brokenness and and some people have defined this as right down evil this is, could come from no other place than the devil himself this is deep deep um deep deep crapola we're we're in the muddy mire and it doesn't seem to be getting better and and one of the things that we have in this whole thing one of the definitions and, and that's why, you know, it's, it's funny as you, as you start looking into these things, one of the definitions of trouble or problems is to cause you to rush, to hurry up, to do something fast about what's going on. And, and that's why uh, we have the old Spanish saying, sacame del apuro. Take me out of this rush. Take me out of this circumstance that's not ordinary for my life. I'm not ready to handle it. Um, and so with the crushing and the breaking, um, the sentiments that are there when problems knock at the door is that it causes you to tremble in your innermost being. And, and none of us were created to enjoy that. You know, I, I don't know what's into masochism, but, but I don't think any one of us were created to do that. Uh, problems and trouble make us sad, make us fearful, make us flee, and eventually um, steal from us our belief. That your troubles cause you to question God, cause you to get sad, which is not what God created you for be, and especially when we have the instruction, rejoice in the Lord always. Well, I would if I didn't have a problem. I, I, would, I would really have a banquet if I didn't have trouble. And the truth of the matter is that um, God wants us to be very familiar with this stuff. And regardless of the trouble, the pain, the suffering, the problem, He wants you to rejoice. He wants you to believe. He wants you to stand firm and not to flee. And He wants you to believe and not doubt. So, Okay, we need to get there because that, I don't know about you, but it's not my normal, you know, problem. Oh, I, I was waiting for you. Come on in and take a seat and we're going to enjoy. That's not, and certain situations I could accommodate and say, you know something, my God's going to see this through. But then other times, 
you're seeing a giant in front of you and you're saying, how is it that this is going to happen? Um, I remember the first time I had a little problem when I first became a Christian. Um, Dad had bought me a car and, and I went to work in the car. I was about 19 years old, uh, 17, 18, 19 years old. And they stole my car. And I walked out and I couldn't believe and then you start saying, okay, this is not really happening to me, which is probably the first response, denial. You know, this, this is not real. This is going to pass. This is not going to stay. And, and so I started looking around. I said, okay, somebody's playing a joke on me. Okay, no, it's not a joke. My dad took the car. Okay, dad, uh, I'm here coming out of work. Do you have my car? He says, no. And so they stole my car. And what, now related with the age and the maturity of losing what can be called your only possession as a young person. And so that you feel stripped, you feel raped, you feel violated. You're like, you're like what's going on? And, and in the middle of that scenario, when my dad came to pick me up, boy, I was sad. I, I was distraught. I had all the feelings and conditions of somebody who had a problem, a situation which was not good. I was angry. I said, who goes around you know, taking people's car. Uh, I would have if I wouldn't have got saved, but, but I was already saved. But the scenario is that there at that moment, and then my dad sits in the car, he says, don't worry. I said, I don't want to hear that. I, I don't want to hear the, the, the words that go in the automatic, don't worry. Ready for this? God has a purpose. I don't want to hear that. I, I do not want to hear those words. I want to be angry, I want to be upset, and I want to beat somebody up. I want, to do, I want to do something, take matters in my own hands. And so that is the beginning of this scenario, and it, it goes on. And so I should be an expert by now with problems. So he says, let's pray. I don't want to pray. I don't think we're at church to pray. Nothing good has happened for us to thank the Lord for. I'm having a problem. There is trouble. There's a situation where... I didn't expect, I didn't set up, I didn't plan for, I, I wasn't prepared to suffer and to experience loss. And so he prays and he says, Lord, bless the guy who stole the car. And I'm like, I'm getting angry. Now, that's not what you do when, when, when you have suffering and loss in a situation. That's not where you go. But eventually he continues to pray and he says, Lord, you know where that car is, and we ask you to bring it back. And I was like, bring it back. Yeah, like undo the problem. Like, like get rid of, erase the reality. And 15 minutes later, uh, we're driving down US-1, and there goes my car on a tow truck. And I see my car go by on a tow truck, and so we, we follow the tow truck, and we get off, and... and um, it was, it was a police officer that uh, eventually this guy got followed by a police officer. He went into a 7-Eleven and he ran away and left the car there. So when the cop got off and saw the car, it was a stolen car. So they put it on a tow truck and they're taking it back to the pound to call the owner. So, so there, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. And, and, and so that was just like that first experience of let's go through a dress rehearsal of suffering loss and having a problem and seeing how just a little thing stirs up your whole life. How just one little thing, unexpected, 
um, stirs up your life. Uh, eventually, I get older, I go to law school, I graduate, I become a lawyer and uh, start working in my law practice and, and I work for a whole year and within that first year, somebody decided that they would use my services as a lawyer and the next thing that would happen was that they weren't happy with the results and they sued me uh, for malpractice. They filed a grievance with the Florida Bar. And, and I look up to the heavens, I said, Lord, this is not supposed to happen to me. I, I'm supposed to have your protection. I'm supposed to have your covering. We're not supposed to go through these problems. And, and then I hear the Lord tell me this, listen, you need to go through these problems because other people are going through these problems and you need to be able to comfort them with the same comfort you received as you were going through them. I said, Lord, tell me that again. Yeah, I need people to actually live the reality of the pain that happens here on earth that are called troubles, problems, suffering, pain, hurt, however you want to call it, trauma, brokenness, evil, so that you go through this experience so you can know how to talk to people that are going through that experience. And so I said, okay, Lord, I heard you now clearly. You said we're going to go through this. And as long as we're going to go through this, I'm with you. Just as long as you don't leave me in this condition or state. And so these experiences continued to, to come at me. Uh, went to a pastor's conference up in Chicago, and I heard you were not saved to be, to be kept from problems. This was 15 years after being a Christian. I wish somebody would have told me day one. You're going to be an expert at problems. You're going to get them from every size, every color, every, every direction until you come into perfection. In every area of life, you are going to be grieved. You're going to sorrow. You're going to cry. And so, so I got past that. Um, then the, the next scenario was uh, we, 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 we understood the first one. We're on a, in a major loss, a major problem. We're still supposed to pray for our problem. The Lord has a purpose. And then, and then the going through it and knowing that this is the way that God is going to use in the future. No, no, no... Uh, no excitement in that regards. And then uh, the most horrible thing about um, 10 years ago, a little bit less, maybe 8 or 9 years ago, uh, horrible panic attacks. Just, just horrible, horrible. It's just right from the pit of hell. And, and I could not believe it that a pastor, a Christian, a person who walks with the Lord is being assaulted. And I knew it was, it was something spiritual. And I knew it was not from, well, it was from God, but it, it wasn't the peace that God promised for those who walk in Him. And it was for no apparent reason. And, and I, I would have people sit in front of me and tell me, something's wrong with your life. Just go ahead and confess it. And I'm like, listen, there's no secret life. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not doing anything different. Uh, I'm not, I don't deserve what I have. I haven't robbed a bank and I'm not hiding the, the money under my cushion. Why, why is this on top of me? And to such a degree that one night I found myself in bed and, and I said, Lord, this is, this is literally what came out of my heart. Don't you care? 
This, this is what, I mean, this was like nine months worth of crazy, crazy anxiety and panic attacks and, and torture. And so it was funny because in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, um, the Lord led me to this very verse that very night that I asked the Lord the same question. And, and here it is for, um, did I say Mark? That's not it. Let's go to Matthew 8.24. I'm sorry, uh, Mark 4.38. Let's try that one. Because I, I had a typo here with Matthew. That, w- that was it right here. 4.38. This is, this is the verse that the Lord shows me the night I'm asking him the same question. But uh, we can start in verse 37. And a great windstorm grows, and the waves beat on the boat, Let's go to 36. Back up one verse. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took Jesus along in the boat and as he was. And other little boats were there also with him. Verse 37. And as they were crossing, great windstorm arose. Call this a problem. Call this trouble that is on the horizon and it's coming in their directions. And it says the waves beat on the boat and it was already beginning to to fill. Now, we don't have a problem with wind. We don't have a problem with rain. But we see that first wave come on the boat. We see the second wave. You know what they were doing, right? What were they doing? They were taking the water out of the boat. They were addressing the problem in their own strength, in their own ability. And, but one thing is happening. The boat is getting filled. That means they cannot stop the problem they cannot stop the trouble, and it's like waves that keep on coming. And, and when you're having this take place for a period of time, you pretty much are getting frustrated. You're getting totally questioning what this whole thing is. Of verse 38, um, it says, he was in the stern, he's at the front of the boat, and he's asleep on a pillow. And so... Are looking at our problem, the situation's getting worse, the trouble's building up, and Jesus is having a great time on a pillow. And he's fast asleep. And they woke him up and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are about to die? So their problem had had grown and created to levels beyond their capacity to deal with. And so the same thing uh, I was going through, and when I I told the Lord, let me ask you a question, don't don't you care that I'm stressing out here? This is for a long time, this is a period of of situation, this is not what I'm experienced uh, of in your presence, in my life with you, in my walk with you. you, you promise peace to those that are with you. Lord, what's going on? And so he responds in verse 39. And he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now that that to me sounds like when Jesus just addresses a situation, he turns everything, you know, on its, you know, it turns it away. I mean, for him to calm the sea, for him to, whatever your trouble is, for him to see, cease and be calm, is, is, to me, is, is fabulous. But verse uh, 40 is when the Lord got to me, and he turned to them, 
And he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have such little faith? What's, what's going on with your faith walk, man? Why isn't it that you were able to hang on and go through these hardships? Why weren't you able to hang on and fasten your seatbelt and understand that behind all of this, there's a process? And you know something? Whenever something's going on in our life, we want to know why. In Luke chapter 13, verse 4, uh, we can start in verse 1, Luke 13, 1. Um, there's a whole bunch of people that are dying. And it says they were present at that season, some who told him about the Galileans who had been killed, murdered, and whose blood had been mingled with sacrifices. So there's one thing that when you're going through situations, another thing is when you're going to see somebody else to go through a situation, and you want to talk to God and say, God, why are they in that condition? Why are they going through that problem? Why are they going through that trouble? And, and we don't understand. And, and then he says, because, um, verse 2, Jesus answered, do you suppose these guys were worse than the sinners? than all, any other sinner? Or do you think that what's going on with their problems is because there are worse people uh, because they suffered these things? In verse 3, I tell you no, they're not going through things because they're worse sinners or their situation deserves worse. Uh, and unless you get with the program, you're going to miss out with the process. If you don't understand why I'm causing things to take place, you're going to be lost at the time it comes knocking on your door, whatever it might be. Uh, verse 4, he, they say to him, uh, or those 18 whom a tower of Silom fell and killed, um, do you think that they were worse sinners than all those that were in Jerusalem at the time? Uh, are, are bad things happening to bad people uh, as retribution to what they're doing? And Jesus says in verse 5, he says, no. People aren't going through problems because of a retribution of their, the depth of their sin. Because I don't know about you, but I don't feel any better than anybody else. Just because the grace of God has come to my life and He's forgiven my sins. But thank God He's had mercy upon me. I deserve worse probably than those people who don't know God. And He says, I tell you no. Unless you understand what's going on, you too will perish if you don't understand the process. And so... All sorts of things are taking place in our lives. Um, we've always said there's, there's three times in our life. There's a time when we have no trouble. And if you have no trouble, trust me, it's about to show up. Or you're in the middle of trouble. You're going through things. Or you just come out of trouble. So you could put yourself in one of those areas. And what God desires for us who read his word and know his heart is for us to know that these troubles problems situations are of various sort and design uh, there's this all over the place in this regard um, example ex exodus 5 19 moses comes in to pharaoh and says listen let these people go so they could worship god so pharaoh says you know what they have nothing to do so i will increase their work and so these are problems that are coming from other people disassociated from anybody else. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall reduce, not reduce any bricks from their daily quota. So in verse 20, they tell Moses, thank you, sir. 
As they came out from talking with Moses, the, uh, Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron and stood up there to meet them. And they gave them uh, a piece of their mind. Verse 21. They said to them, let the Lord judge you and cause you problems because you've caused us problems. You've come in here and created for us a real hateful thing in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And now because you have come into this whole affair, their sword is in their hand to treat us worse. And I don't know how many of you, if you were uh, uh, Israeli and you're a slave for 400 years and, and you're building pyramids and Moses comes into the picture and it creates circumstances that you didn't expect, you tell him, Moses, do me a favor and I never want to see you again ever and miss out on the deliverance that was about to take place. And miss out that, that I've come, I've, 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 I've wanted to come more to this conclusion, but I somewhat I've come to the conclusion that even when I don't see God working, even though I don't understand what He's doing, I know the heart of my God. And He's, he's doing something, and He has a plan that's greater than my puny thoughts. But here these people virtually are telling Moses, get lost. And if you're a person that when problems and troubles come to your door, you're saying get lost, you're going to miss out possibly with the fitness coach that's going to prepare you for the next marathon. With for the trainer that's going to prepare you for the things that you have asked God for. And like Paul says, there's been given a trouble on my side to torment me, to bring affliction to me, and I've asked God three times to take it away, but he says, hey, mister, seek my grace. Push in to a greater relationship with me. And we've been talking about this year being a year of intimacy. And, and I just want to, I, I want to encourage you that it doesn't matter what happens this year, what color, what size, what direction, you're going to allow this to lead you closer to God, to lead you stronger with God. To lead you to, to know that you know that you know in your deepest hour that God is never changing. And so in verse 22, Moses then turns back to God and he said, Lord, why have you brought problems on these people? Why is it that you make me part of your problem schedule and strategy in the lives of these people? And so now Moses is telling God to get lost. He has better things to do. And here God has a deliverance plan. He has a redemption plan. He's ready to overthrow Pharaoh. He's ready to send the plagues. He's ready to send the Red Sea. How many things are we going to miss out on? Because we don't understand what God is doing. And, and again, um, pressing closer into these. Because at the end of the day, all these situations served for these men to become stronger and greater and powerful in the purposes of God. And so, uh, verse 23, he says, For since I came to Pharaoh to speak, since I became a Christian and I'm doing your work, he, 
Everything has turned on me. This devil has begun to bring trouble and do evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Paul, Moses is saying, you don't have a plan. You flopped it on me. You led me in the wrong. You led me into an ambush. I was surprised, attacked. I was, I was, and 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 God says, "Hey, Moses, relax, my friend. Relax, because what you're taking a picture of, what you're describing, was uh, what's horrible, is is my salvation package." And uh, Romans nine seventeen, he reassures Moses, saying these words. Romans nine seventeen, he says, "For this reason." For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I've raised you up. I've raised this problem up. I've raised this trouble up. I've I've moved the winds, the storm, the waves. For this reason, that I might show my power in you. And that my name might be declared in all the earth. Because the greater the problem, the greater the God. The greater the situation, the greater deliverance. The greater the, the trouble, the, the greater the testimony. And so we say amen, but, but we need to press into this as, as it comes. As these arrows are shot in our direction with the fierce uh, threat of, of finishing us off in this regard. So our meditation tonight is, Lord, um, I don't know what you're doing, but, but I know that you have a purpose and it's a mighty purpose. I know that you have a plan and, and a promise and there's provision in all these things. And, and so we, we go a little bit further and we are all experts at somebody else's problems. I could talk about Moses feeling like, like he missed it, like the people of Israel missing it, like, like God dropping the ball. But then when it's, when it's our turn, um, we, we see that God has given us the Word of God for this purpose of assurance and strength. And if we had not come today to church, um, we, we could be debilitated. Romans 15.4, and, and Paul writes these words, Romans 15.4, and I thank God for the Word of God. There's no other instruction manual like it in all the earth. For whatever things were written before, these things that we're reading that took place before, they're written for our learning. I want to be able to wait upon God. I want to be able to not jump the gun. I don't want to sit there and say, God, you don't know what you're doing. Those are big words. They're there for our learning. What what are we to learn? We're to learn that through patience and finding comfort in the Scriptures, God is breathing hope into our lives. God is taking us somewhere. Uh, we go to um, John chapter 1, ch- no, chapter 9, sorry, verse 1. Um, every time we see a problem, our, our tendency is to run and to, to sk- get skittish. And here in John chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus passes and he sees a blind man that was blind from birth. And his disciples fastly, they're seeing the problem on this young man, and they ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? This man's parents? Did he sin? Or did his parents sin? Why is he all these things catching up to him? That he was born blind. He was born in a condition of, of trouble, a situation. 
In verse 3, Jesus responds. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sin, but so that the world might see the works of God revealed in him. At the depth of desperation, God wants to bring refreshing. At the depth of no hope, God wants to refresh and revive hope in this regard. And, and there is no more shallow people than those who have experienced no troubles. They, they have no ability to transfer hope to the life of the person next to them. So we want to know, was it the parents? Was it, uh, where are these problems coming from? We, we want to know the address. Was it God? Was it the devil? Some of us have already blamed God. Some of us have already said the devil is stronger. Some of us have already said uh, it's the condition of, of uh, the enemies that we have against us. It's the economy that doesn't let me get ahead. It's political parties. It's the Democrats, the Republicans. It's Obama. It's Bush. Let's go and occupy Wall Street and blame the whole world for every problem we have. Let's just start numbering them and start pointing fingers. And, and that's what happens when we haven't read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. When, when we see what God says in His Bible, where, where did this stuff come from? Why every size? Why every color? Why in every direction? He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need, if necessary be, you have been sorrowful by every shape, color, and size of trials. This is, this is a season. These are situations. Trouble comes, uh, leaving us totally unfamiliar with what to do, where to go, how to respond. One of the powerful things is, is the area of lack of experience when you go through this, then you have already received the comfort. You've received the situation. You now can turn around and tell somebody, you practice with me, ready? Don't worry. God knows what he's doing. I went through that already. And I want to thank God for every single situation that has ever come into my life, that has allowed me to grow, that has allowed me to know God better. And, and still at this, at this juncture, we see these things coming fast and furious, invoking in us sadness, doubt, insecurity, fear, all these things which we're not called to walk in, these problems of pain and suffering and hardship. And then, even early on in my Christian walk in Hebrews 4.15, where we have the confidence that Jesus is not one who is above all these things. He's not above the depth of hardship and trouble and problems. For we do not have a high priest who cannot carry the same sentiment. That's what it means, sympathize. With what our situation is. But in, say with me, every scenario. In every scenario, this man walked through these trials. And yet, he didn't drop the ball. And yet, he was unmoved, unfazed. 
And, and there's only one way we could do that. I want to encourage you that while trials want to mutate us into every possible form, God wants you to be unmoved, unshaken. Be able to realize that the, the waves could move, but when you're standing on the rock, the rock doesn't move. And, and that's where our situation is when we, we grab the situation and our emotions are on top of the situation when God is trying to bring us away and detach us with the situation and the circumstance so that we, in the midst of the problem, we fear no evil. We fret not. We're moved not. We're waiting upon the promises of God. We're, we're unfazed with these things. And the only way we could do this is if we follow close to the Master. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. One of the descriptions of Jesus is he was despised, he was rejected, he was a man of troubles, he was a man of sorrows, he was a man who suffered problems. He was a man that consistently battled against every front on every side. And, and he raised up men that followed him like Paul. He says, I don't care where it's coming from. He says, crushed on every, um, uh, influenced, flooded on every side, but not crushed. Moved in every direction, but unfazed. And, and so he's able to say in Romans 8, where he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. In big words, but only, only to the extent you, you don't call somebody who doesn't overcome a conqueror. And here Paul has the, the assurance that in the middle of the worst of these affairs, the man is unmoved. 8.37. Romans 8.37. Jesus tried in all points and never dropping the ball. And Paul saying, yet in all these things. He's not talking about good things. He's not talking about pleasant things. He's saying, in the fast and furious depth of despair, where we are surrounded uh, more than we even care to know, but he says, in all these things, we not only overcome, we are above conquerors through Him who loved us. If we follow the track God has for us in the midst of these things. Because I don't know, and, and maybe it should have been uh, clarified when I came to the Lord, in John 16, verse 33, and um, He says, These things I've spoken to you that you might have peace. Okay, Lord, I would have peace if I didn't have problems. He says, No. In the world, you'll have trouble. You're going to have problems. You can measure the depth of those things. You can me measure the temperature. You can measure the intensity. But if there's one thing Jesus says, it's going to be a real serious depth of tribulation. I write these, th these things I've spoken to you that you might have peace. So, so I want to encourage you, in the midst of your problem, don't let go of your peace. I don't care what's happening. Don't compromise your peace. Don't be unsettled because that's what the devil wants. He wants to strike you to take your peace. And so keep your peace. 
And it's yours. And he says, and I give it to you not like the world gives it to you. My peace will remain. He says, that you might have peace, but at the same time, be of good cheer. So peace and, and rejoicing are part of the, the, the believer's menu in the midst of these things. Peace, courage, good cheer, encouragement, for I have overcome the world. Now, um, if you've been a Christian long enough, you would have run into James chapter 1, verse 2. And, and here's another disciple of Christ, and he has many things to write about, but he's going to write on one topic. My brethren, you better put on the garment of joy when you start going through different colors, sizes, and shapes, intensities, and temperatures of problems. Count it joy. Now, I tried to do this in the middle of having a kidney stone. And the first four hours, I thought I was going to die. And I said, Lord, I don't know how you want me to be joyful through this process. And in the last four hours, I was asking God to kill me. The first four hours, I wanted to die. No, I felt like I was going to die. But the last four hours, I was saying, Lord, take my life. I was serious. Take my life because this is totally unbearable. The intensity of this pain. Uh, when that stone came out, it was a grain of sand. It w- I was expecting a rock to come out. This was dust that got lodged in the kidney there. And it was a speck. And it totally humiliated me. I thought I was a strong man. I could endure pain. And this thing was a... And so many times, the troubles and afflictions come to wake you up to show you you might not be as strong as you think you are. You might not have been such a good husband as you thought you were. You might not have been a a, a great father like you thought you were. You didn't manage your money like you thought God would lead you to manage your money. You didn't care for God's voice in these situations. So all these things, I'm telling you, um, it's, it's described in 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 7, um, he says these words. He says, all these things, 1 Peter 1, 7, are to help you out so that you can be the genuineness of your faith. If you're going to be genuine about who you are as a believer and a Christian, since it's more valuable than gold that passes away it needs to be tested by fire so that when you're in the deep 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 crapola and you are shining forth like gold in the midst of fire God gets the glory God gets the praise and people say I was able to see God in this person not when they were prospering and being successful and everything's going good in the moment of their greatest loss I've been able to see that as we we see Chavelin and and, and the Gill family and George Gill um, and Melissa as they lose both of their parents and their big brother on the very same night I know God is there I know God is in the life of this family because there's no way that anyone could sustain 
the depth of that problem and, and be like, like the three the Hebrew boys inside the heat of the fire. Not even their hair was singed by the flames. And what these people have gone through is so, so that they would be affected forevermore, but they have the arms of God, the provisions of His power, the care that He has over us. could only be seen in the light of deep fire. So He says, the genuineness of your faith is seen like gold that's being tested in fire so that it might be found to the praise, honor, and glory so Christ is revealed. And so these men who followed Christ said, hey, James said, hey, count it happiness. Peter says, hey, count it, you know, he says, um, consider it joyful or whatever he, he, we just finished reading. But he goes on in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 12. He, he even adds a little bit of depth to this. He says, listen, don't think you're going crazy when you start going through these things. Don't think it's weird. 1 Peter 4, verse 12. He says, Beloved, don't think it uh, hokey pokey. Don't think it a brouhaha when you're going through these fiery trials which come to test us. And, and don't think it's strange as though something strange is happening to you. And, and I, in my human says that, well... I think it is strange. It's not normal. And, and that's, that's the Job side of me when, you know, that fire is on, on us. And, and while Job was doing well, uh, you know, he had some pleasantries to tell people and to say, oh, that's, that, don't worry about it. Everything will be okay. You know, just count it joy and all this. Stuff. But, but when it came upon him, he lost all his family. He lost all his possessions. He lost his health all on the same day. And so this man, in the midst of that horrendous scenario, um, Job chapter 4, verse 2, his friends show up to his house and they say, hey buddy, uh, I heard problems finally came knocking at your door. I heard you're having a situation. If one attempts a word with you, will you become weary? Can we ask you a couple of questions now? Now that you're in the problem? Now that you're in the midst of a difficult circumstances, but who can withhold himself from speaking? We need to ask you these questions. Verse 3. Surely you have instructed many, and you have many times gone to people with problems to strengthen their hands. You're, you're a professional at this. Verse 4. Your words have upheld him who is stumbling, and you have strengthened the feeble knees. I... I I believe that in this course, we have a ministry. I don't, I don't know about you, but I think that there's people in this world, and I think there's people that have problems. Everywhere you look, in, in fact, if I was walking down the street, I would have to avoid looking at people's eyes, because everywhere I go, somebody has a problem. And, and, and they're deep-seated problems, and if you want to get a, a look at at real deep-seated problems, go to the hospital, go to Miami Children's and see the people there suffering for the, the sicknesses upon their children. And so they're telling him, you know, your words have upheld others who are stumbling and you have strengthened the feeble knees. Verse 5, 
But now it comes upon you. Now it's your turn. You are weary. It touches you and you are troubled. Verse 6. Is not your fear of God, your confidence and integrity and uprightness and your ways and the integrity of your ways, your hope? Don't you have it all together? Think, I beg, in verse 7. Who being innocent, innocent ever had a problem? Or where were those upright in the right standing with God cut off? Only problem, people with problems have, uh, have issues when they're not right with God. And I myself have seen those who plow iniquity and so trouble. Those people who, who start problems will reap problems. We've got to be careful we're not one of those, right? I don't want any more problems than the ones God wants to give me to perfect me. I don't want to create problems. And so he says, I've seen it since the beginning that there's certain people who plow iniquity and plant seeds of trouble and they reap the same thing. So in this course, Job has a discussion with God. In chapter 5, verse 8. And he says, as for me, I would seek God and inquire and require of him to God would commit my cause. Who does great things, unsearchable and marvelous things without number? Uh, th this verse here says one of the most fascinating situation about our problems is the most incredible, fascinating manner with which God resolves them. Because God has more answers than you have problems. God has more ways than, than our dead ends and our lack of understanding these things. So one of, the, one of the things is to be able to see how God comes through time and time again. In verse 10 it says, He gives rain upon the earth and sends waters upon the field. He waters the whole earth. Um, so that He sets, those, sets on high those who are lowly and those who mourn He lifts to safety. What's that say? God's hand is not short that it can't save. When, when we have already closed the door and we have said, God cannot fix this, we have been stolen from. God cannot perfect this. God cannot take this to another level. I, I, I really am sad about the fact that I believe that, that if we were to go more to God for our answers, we would be blown away by His response. But many times, you know, some person came up to uh, a doctor and says, you're the last person I came to. He goes, you know, you should have, you know, why don't we go to God first? Because it's not, it's not our tendency. It's not our reality. Um, in verse 12, he says, he frustrates the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise or anything else. I, I want to tell you that sometimes the better you think you are of being able to resolve your problems, God will just make a nice little bigger problem for you. You want some wiggle room? Go ahead and wiggle. You, you'll fit right out of that garment and God will get you a nice bigger one so that you could wear some nicer garments of situations that will perfect you. And, and we got to be careful with that because he says that he's going to frustrate the devices of the crafty. I want to, uh, this is where I think we hit the crossroads because uh, th this is very extended, but here goes. The Lord wants to turn our hearts back to Him. And, and we don't want to. And, and we only turn our heart back to God when? 
when we have problems. When we're stuck, that's when we start seeking God. Sad, really sad. But this is, this is basically everything God wants to do. And he says, in, this is just all the wonderful ways that God begins to answer our needs. It says, verse 13, he catches the wise in their own trickiness. You think you're going to outsmart God. And counsel uh, of the schemer is brought to a quick end. Here's how I'm going I'm to divert the confrontation of the Lord, the situation. In the daytime, they meet in darkness. At noontime, they grope as in the night. But God is able to deliver from the sword of their mouth He's able to free us from the hand of the mighty. Any problem, any situation. So the poor will have hope. And the iniquity shuts her mouth. Happy, verse 17. And fortunate is the man whom God shows his ways. So do not despise the correcting of the Lord. Subjecting you to different situations. For he wounds, verse 18, but he binds up also. He smites, but his hand will heal. He will rescue you in six troubles. That's all your manly troubles. And in seven, nothing that is evil will touch you. What a glorious promise. The fire's coming. We're not to think it's strange. We're to rejoice. We're to pray. We're to keep our peace. We're to be of good cheer. God is in the resolution of these matters. He's able to deliver from six troubles, from seven, from the perfect. In famine, He will redeem you from death. In war, from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. Neither shall be afraid when the Satan is trying to plot all sorts of evil against you. At destruction and famine, you shall laugh. Ha! Neither shall you be afraid of anything that crawls upon the earth. For you shall be a league with the stones of the field, and the beast of the field shall be at peace with you. And you shall know that your tent shall be in peace, and you shall visit your fold in your dwelling, and nothing will be missing. You shall know also that your children shall be many, and your offspring as the grass of the earth. You shall come to your grave in a ripe old age. We're not to enter into the age of Leaving this earth with fear, with lack of peace, without confidence. As a chief of grain ripens in season. Unmoved as God would have it. Verse 27. That is what we have searched out and it is true. And hear and know for yourself. I, I, I think that these, these situations are... and th th This is how I've known God. I haven't gone to Bible college. I don't have theological training. But I know problems, I know adversity, I know conflict, I know difficulty, I know sickness, I know discouragement. And in all these things, God has been sufficient. God is able to minister to take us to deeper levels. And in the lives of, of countless millions of people that are going through problems, and, and even family members and relatives who this Christmas hung themselves, took their lives committed suicide because they hadn't heard a word like this because they thought there's no way out. 
The, the desperation of the devil's lie upon their life. Psalm 18, I leave it as homework so that you could read it tonight. And you can see how David says, in the midst, this is Psalm 18, in the midst of my deepest need, when trouble has knocked on the door, when, when problems are neck deep, you are my deliverer. You're the one that I stand waiting upon. You're the one that I seek. You're the one that I would follow. And, and so it's a marvelous rendition of King David's uh, confidence upon God. In verse 6, Psalm 18, 6, he says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried to my God, and He heard my voice out of His temple. And my cry came before Him into His very ears. And then he starts showing how God begins to move in His direction in a powerful mind. And, and He's able to stand solid and say God's way is perfect. And I'm not taken by the darkness of my hour. I know that God, verse 28, for you can cause a lamp to be lighted and to shine. The Lord is the one who brings me out into the light when I'm in the midst of darkness. You have given me a shield of your salvation. He goes on, he says, you have put plenty of room for my steps under my feet so that I would not slip or fall. And so... It's tremendous as God gives us ground. And we, sometimes we feel we, we have no standing room. We're surrounded. And so Psalm 18, powerful, we'll meditate upon that. And in the midst of these scenarios, one of the things that you can be steadfast assured, and we should be, that God never changes. That He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That, that he is miraculous in his deliverance. That he's phenomenal with his opening up a way where there is no way. Where he's just going he's, he's gonna to bring you out. And if you follow him, you're going to find that answer. And sometimes we are so far and we're swimming away from the Lord and we're hiding for him. And in Jeremiah 16, 16, he says, Behold, these people who are avoiding my dealings in their life, I will send fishermen... And they shall fish them out. I don't know what size of hook you're going to take. But the heavier you are and the fancier you are, God is going to fish you out. God is going to bring you out into His marvelous light of grace, of glory, of mercy. And He says, if those people get away, if those fishies get away because they're too strong, after I will send for many of them with a hunter... You don't want to have God snipe you down. You don't want to have God come hunting you down. He's coming for you. So it's better to come and say, Lord, let's, let's go. He says, they shall hunt them on every mountain, every hillside, out of the holes of the rocks. God's going to find them. And, and he says that the reason is they have forsaken the ways of the Lord. In verse 17, for my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity hidden from my eyes. And the first thing I will repay double, double trouble. Because they, they're sinning, they're rebelling, they're disobeying. Because they have, they have ruined what I had purposed in my land. And they have filled my inheritance with death and detestable, hateful things. That's what, that's what is eliminated 
in, in troubles, and, and we, we, we get rid of the problem. You remember when, when Jonah was traveling, and they started throwing all the stuff overboard? Because when you're going through heavy times, you're, you're getting rid of all the stuff that's making the boat rock. And, and the issue there was Jonah. When they threw him over, the waves subsided. And he says in verse 19, Lord, Jeremiah, write these words. My strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of my trouble. The Gentiles shall come to you from the far ends of the earth and say, Surely our fathers have, in, have told us lies and worthless realities, things that didn't profit us. Will a man make gods for himself which are not gods? Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know, I will cause them to know that my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is Lord. Let's go ahead and stand tonight. And this is, this is just a quick uh, passing by of the heart of God in this regards. I don't know the troubles you've seen. I don't know the loss of family members, the loss of friends, the loss of your work, uh, the loss of, of, of an expectation in this life to do anything that's worth living, the loss of a marriage. But I, I want you to renew your hope in God. I want you to understand God's not finished. Push into uh, saying, I want to see these things. I was, I was talking with, uh, we were sharing with my mom on Monday, and she was saying she was reading a devotional, how somebody had written the words. Because the, the more you're into God, the more experience, I've done my best tonight, but the, the more you walk with God, the more suffering, the more things, um, the deeper you go with God. And this woman writes in a devotional, she says, whenever we enter into a season of life where darkness is over and enveloped us, it's only the rain clouds that are above us about to pour out all that God has for us. At the darkest hour, that's right when we're about to have our greatest breakthrough. And, and so we hold on because we know in whom we have believed. We know in whom we wait for. We know in whom we have set our trust. And, and sure, that there are many colorations, there are many disfigurements of the character of God when we're going through issues. The character of God's people. We want to blame somebody. We want to, we want to this is why I'm feeling miserable. Don't let the devil do that to you. If you ask yourself the question, doesn't God care? Yes, he does care. And if you had a little bit more insight, like he told them, you would not ask that question. And so, the guys who were in there shoulder to shoulder with Christ, Paul, Peter, and James, all three of them said, hey, when the going gets tough, let the tough get going. Let, let the guys hunker down and let's go for, let's go for all. Let's, let's, let's leave it all in, in the expectation of what God has spoken to us tonight. And, you know, these men who wrote the Psalms, they said those who would go out with tears and they would continue to walk, they said they would return with rejoicing. They would return with dancing. I, I, I can't wait till we see that which motivates us. And, and I'm even moved to to do it in, in an opposite way. I want to dance before I get a big breakthrough. I want to rejoice. I, I, want to, I want to be delivered from the chains of sorrow, suffering, anguish, 
uh, deception, disillusionment. I, I want to be set free of all these things um, prior to. Um, one of the songs, I don't know if we could put it up there real quick. And um, just changing the course of what I asked them to do. Um, there's a song by Juan Luis Guerra that just came out. And, and he sings this song. He says, in heaven there's no hospitals. And I don't know about what that means to you, but man, that means to me there's not going to be any more pain, any more sorrow, any more wheelchairs. There's not going to be that stuff. And I don't want to get up there and dance with Frankie. I want to dance with Frankie here because I know in whom I've believed. I know who am I waiting for. I'm a man of faith. I'm a man of God. I'm a man who believes what God has said. So in this, in this video, and it's, it's comical, uh, maybe even somewhat inappropriate. We won't put it on the, on the recording, but appropriate for us here. And I want you to enjoy this song because I want you, to, I don't care what you're going through or whatever, put your hope in the Lord. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as I don't know if they have it up there. It's on YouTube. Juan Luis Guerra, who's a great Santo Domingo musician who gave to the Lord. And now he dedicates his efforts and his talents to the Lord. And when he writes this song, seems to be a silly song. But guess what? I know his heart and I know God's heart. And this is what God wants. God wants us to see the supernatural. God wants us to see people that are deep-seated in situations that would cause anybody else to turn away and look away without answers. But we're the ones that go and take the, that, that hope, that faith, that injection of, of the confidence that we could trust in our God. He's a good God. Can you say that with me? He's a good God. He's an awesome God. He's a marvelous God. We can delight in His faithfulness. He's an amazing, great God. And, and many times, and I have to say it like this, many times it's been our very problems that have shown forth His glory. Our difficulties, our, our saddest moments, we have been able to find refuge in, in this God. You guys have it up there? And they, they begin, yes or no? It's not loaded yet? Okay. Give them a little time. You, you guys, um, you know something? I, I, today, as, as, as I was having, I was sitting here in my office, I get George and Lily, and, and they, they send me over a little video clip of their son. And, and he starts the music on his remote control car he got for Christmas, and, and he starts dancing. And, and he's, he's having a great old time, and his mom looks over there and says, are you dancing? He goes, yeah, I'm dancing. And, and how old is he? Two years old. Huh? He's going to be three next month. But he's dancing. And she's like, she can't tell because it's just all over the place, you know. And, and she can't tell if, if, you know, if he has ants in his pants or what. But he's having a great old time. And then she says, do it again. And he goes, wait, let me start the music. And so he goes down and he presses that button on his remote control car. And it starts up. And, and, and sure enough, and he's going. And, and, and the music runs out, he goes and he presses and he keeps on going. I want us to dance. I want us to have the liberty of the confidence of the joy of the Lord in our lives. And not, you know, be totally distraught. Do we have issues? Yeah. Do we have trouble? On every side. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But be at peace. 
be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And, and that's the reality of who we are and what God is saying to us tonight. Um, and, and, and you guys be the people of God wherever you go. There's, there's nothing sadder than a person who claims to be a believer and doesn't believe. Claims to have faith and has been stripped of what he knows. And so tonight, God is speaking to us in that charge. How are you guys doing back there? I'm sorry. This, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was struggling all day with this. Uh, we had, we had another song prepared. This man loses all his business in a Chicago fire, sends his family to London, and he can't go because he has a big business that he has to tie up loose ends with everything that that uh, that burns in Chicago in the Great Chicago Fire. He sends his wife and his two daughters to London, and the boat sinks, and they all die. And so he's memorized. And then the, he jumps on the boat, and as he's going by the place where they drowned, he writes a song saying, all is well with my soul. And maybe we can sing. How are you guys doing? Let's, let's sing the first verse of that song. And, and this, is, these are the, this is the song he writes after the greatest travesties. These guys are heroes of the faith. 